Welcome to the Listen, Talk, Heal podcast, where we talk with members of the University of Toronto community about their experiences during the pandemic and how we as a community can recover together. I'm Kim Lin, a fourth year undergraduate student studying computer science, statistics, and psychology. And I'm Tony, a recent U of T graduate who studied mathematics, cognitive sciences, and statistics, and we are your co-hosts. It seems like you take a lot of like consideration for your students and like how they can balance your assignments and stuff into the design of your courses. So can you like tell us a bit more about how you incorporated student feedback? Like I was a class in your STAT 303, a student in your STAT 303 class. And I know you did like these weekly check-in surveys and also like we had a student rep. So maybe you can talk about that. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, so in pretty much all universities I've ever seen or heard of, you've got like course evaluations at the end of a course. And I think they do have a purpose. There's lots of research about some of the problems with them as well. But so often I've just had this experience of like, ah, I wish someone had told me that like three months ago, I would have changed that. That was an easy change. Um, So my kind of goal in my teaching is to make course evaluations at the end, like the least useful of all the different ways I hear student feedback, because really at that point, there's not that much I can change for this past year. It is still super valuable because I do make changes for coming years, but I kind of would want to help the people in front of me wherever possible. So that's sort of the big picture idea. And yeah, as you said, Kimlin, I try to do weekly check-ins. I use something um, in some of them that some people might recognize as clearest point, muddiest point. So ask students to sort of feedback to me what they actually think they learned this week. Like, what was the topic this week? What did you learn? And if I'm seeing the right things, I'm like, okay, I got across what I was meaning to. Um, And then in the sort of like, what's something you still don't understand or might like more clarification on, it can really sort of show me the things where I'm like, "Mm, I just did not hit that this week. This was not dialed in the way I needed to be. Let's spend some time on it in that next week. Let's triage it now instead of hearing after a final exam that everyone hated that topic because no one understood it, right? Not good for students and not good for me in achieving what I want to. Um, So yeah, those sort of clearest point, muddiest point, I find really helpful for my week to week practice. I also sometimes try to put in, although I don't think I managed it with 303 this last time around, it's sort of a stoplight questionnaire. Sometimes it's like a midterm or like midterm check-in where you're like, okay, what's something I should start doing that I haven't been doing, which is like green light. What's a yellow light, a continue. What's something you like, don't change it, keep it the same. And then what's like a red light. What's like, please stop doing this. This is horrible. Um, And so that can be a really good way to sort of break out those things, acknowledging that there's some things that you shouldn't change. Like don't stop doing this, this works for us. But there's usually some things that would be great to start including and some things that you could prune back on or a takeaway that could help people out. So those are, instruments that you can use or that I really appreciate using and appreciate when students um, take the time to respond to them. I think to make it meaningful for students though, you have to be willing to be a little vulnerable as an instructor and transparent. So if you're soliciting all of this feedback from your students and it goes into this black hole and they never see any changes, like why would you waste your time telling me things if you see nothing happening from it? So trying to spend that time to feedback Sometimes I can't make a change. Sometimes I think something's a good idea, but I don't have the resources or we don't have the time to do it. 
Um, but it's something I can think about for the future. So acknowledging those cases, but sometimes explaining why it's not something we can do. But there's so many other times where it's something as simple as like, oh, if you put the modules in a different order on Quirkus, that would be helpful. And I went, oh, the doy. <laughs> like, of course, that's a wonderful idea. I honestly think every course should have like a user experience focus group for their Quirkus site. I would love to, love to, love to um, have that kind of feedback. But it's easy things like that, where if you can have one less moment of friction and frustration in your day, and I can help with that, I would love to do that. Um, and that starts to come into the things like the student representative, that consultative committee that we piloted last semester. So this was a project between uh, myself and two other of my teaching stream colleagues, Natalie Moon and Sam Caetano. And we, so I can't take credit for the idea. It was something that I experienced at my previous institution, both as a student in my undergrad and as an instructor. Uh, so I've been on all sides of these kind of programs and I just saw how useful they were. And it was in a meeting actually with a stats student where we were sort of chatting about her career goals and her experiences. And I hadn't realized we didn't have something like this in our department or at our in our faculty until we were sort of talking about something where she's like, I just wish the profs had known X. And I went, oh my gosh, why didn't the profs know X? How had no one had a chance to tell them? And it's, yeah, it's, if you're not creating these kinds of explicit systems for feedback, a lot of the time it just gets stuck in someone's head or heart without having that chance to make an impact. And so we, yeah, we pitched it to our department. Something new is always something a little scary, especially when it comes to being in kind of a vulnerable position as department or instructors and having students, you know, take on a new role that they have no model for as yet. Uh, but we had just the most incredible group of students take on this first pilot of it and made really meaningful feedback. So there's currently one 4303, Kimlin, where when I spoke about flexibility, what comes to mind is feedback from one of the reps about the assignment structure. And that for some students, it was just too much. It didn't play to their strengths. The workload was too heavy and their time management just sort of wasn't used to that. They were used to two big assignments in an exam. And you know, I can't fault you for that. If that's how you succeeded, suddenly I'm like, let's do three things every single week. That's a lot. I'd like to think it's helpful in terms of preparing for grad school or the world of work, but to suddenly ask that of people, that's a lot. And so there was some feedback about sort of having alternative structures. You could get your mark through model A or through model B um, and choose the one that plays to your strengths. And so I've been thinking about that a lot. You're gonna see that in my next three or three syllabus is gonna be very different from this last one based exactly on student feedback um, for my assessment. So that, that's like a big example, small example, just change the module order, gosh darn it. But a big example is fundamentally how I'm gonna to try to rejig giving students flexibility and signaling what I think is important and helpful, but giving you guys space to decide that for yourselves as well. Yeah, having taken 303, it was like a bit daunting when I first saw the syllabus and we had all <laughs> these assignments every week, but I think it was, and it ended up being very helpful. Like I improved my writing skills, I think. Oh, that's so nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, especially with online, there's that fear that you're like shouting into the void, coding matters, writing is helpful. And then it's, it's so meaningful, Kimlin, to hear back from students where it's like, I've heard a couple of people this summer where, oh, that assignment that we did in 303, that's why I ended up with this internship, or that's how I passed this coding interview, or writing is the main thing I do in my job, and I got an award for it. Like, there's just been these wonderful stories from people. Um, and so, yeah, knowing, yeah, knowing that's really, really is appreciated. <laughs>
is like what's the most surprising feedback you've heard from students <sighs> that's the thing a lot of student feedback isn't surprising because it's actually really sensible like it makes total sense once they say it it seems really reasonable and practicable it's only just the there's only so many things I could think of it once and I just haven't thought of that yet. So it's sort of surprising. It's more surprising where I'm disappointed in myself that it hadn't occurred to me, but trying to like be gentle, you know, I, I thought out a couple other things, but I think that's actually maybe the most important thing to say about student feedback that I've had really great experiences with really meaningful, authentic feedback from students. So it's never surprising in that, like, oh, why would they say that? I, this is madness. It's all like, gosh, that's like a really good, well thought out piece of feedback. So I think the most surprising thing is perhaps how unsurprising the excellence of our student feedback is. And can you tell us a bit more about like the representatives for the classes and how they can get involved, how students can, I guess, become representatives? Yeah, I'd love to. So we're re sort of repitching it to the department for this coming year. And the things that we've done that I would think I'd like to keep based on both the feedback from the reps and from the sort of instructor experience is what we actually did is put out sort of a call to students who were interested, described the role in the class, had said there's gonna be one student per section, but then instead of having a vote, which can sometimes just become a popularity contest, who's the funniest person? Okay, they're the class rep, we just, picked it by lottery, you know, good old statistics, <laughs> did you pick a random number? Uh, and that might sound a little absurd, like how, how will that work? But there was actually, this was based on research that had been brought to us showing um, that sometimes better outcomes in student leadership were actually achieved through this kind of student representation lottery, as opposed to through the, who's the class clown or who's the most eloquent? What if you're a quiet achiever who really, really cares about, you know, your class community and supporting people, but you're not super good at public speaking yet. I still want those folks to have a chance to have leadership opportunity, maybe build that comfort zone and things like that. So yeah, we were anxious about doing it by lottery because that wasn't my experience. From back home, um, I was often the class rep because I was often the loud one who was really willing to be the class rep. There was also free food, so that probably helped. But um, yeah, so we went with this lottery and I really had not a single complaint. The students who had put themselves forward had self-selected as people who were gonna be awesome for this. And it meant that we got a real range, folks that this was their 20th leadership experience at UFT, and folks where this was their really their first chance to ever take on a leadership experience like this. And I think the chance for students to learn from each other, for younger students for our first years, to learn from our third and fourth years, um, it just created such an awesome space. And I was so proud of how everyone really really engaged with the right the right attitude the right heart and yeah i just couldn't be more happy so really looking forward to trying to introduce that across more classes and eventually take over the whole university of toronto with it <laughs> and what are like the main responsibilities of being a student rep great question the thing that i'm hoping to keep the balance of with student rep role is that each rep can kind of fit it to their own skills and interests. But at the core, it's come to two meetings and talk to your prof and your classmates a little bit if you can. So of the lowest commitment sort of version of it, you're like, here's my email class. Please let me know if there's anything going on that you want me to share with the prof. 
Um, most profs are really happy to hear it directly from students, but I get that there's a bit of a power thing there. So a lot of folks are more willing if it can be anonymous by sort of emailing their rep and then the rep, the idea is that the rep will sort of pass on some general thoughts to the profs as they come or before a meeting. And this is the, the key thing so that at the meeting, it's more of a team presentation of things that we're doing, things that are working, things that aren't working that we're trying to fix. And so it feels, yeah, it feels a bit more like that sort of teamwork on the course, as opposed to I'm coming here with a list of 30 complaints that you've never heard before, because then you're like, oh, okay, let me, let me think about that. So the idea is to make it a useful meeting. I'm sure we've all sat through useless meetings in a year of pandemic Zooms, um, but to try to foster that communication pathway in the most meaningful kind of way, and then share some of that good practice or that learning across the other courses as well. That's sort of the real value of this meeting where everyone's in the Zoom room together from that first year cohort right to that fourth year consulting course that they can learn from each other. And maybe they hadn't even thought of a way that their course could be improved, but they hear about something being done somewhere else. And, you know, profit student look at each other and go, oh, we should do that in ours too. So, yeah, so that, that's the main responsibility set is that being an avenue for feedback that students might not be willing to have their name attached to. Um, and then helping that prof feedback to the class as well. So it's their opportunity to sort of say, so this is what was talked about. These are the pros or the cons. These are the things we're still working on. Um, and just broadening that role of transparency and feedback um, is a bit of a partnership, works really well. Yeah, sounds great. Mm -hmm. And is this rule available for all the stats courses right now or just your courses? Great question. Not just mine, but we're still sorting out who is signing on for it. Um, so I still have to sort of do the full pitch to the department and see who's willing to sign up. We're still sort of doing a long pilot because as we sort of talked about before, feedback's quite a vulnerable thing. Like I get course evals where it's like best class ever right next to this was mental torture, right? For the same course. <laughs> so it can be, I, we want to take it slowly so that it is the most healthy and useful thing that it can be. So that's why I never want to force, especially like a new prof or a grad student who's teaching a course to be part of something where they might just sort of feel like they're just getting attacked about everything when they're trying their best. So creating it as a space where people who are ready to bring that kind of feedback and vulnerability into their teaching and can they can jump on board in a really empowered way and really feel like it's a benefit when they're working with their rep and trying to convince the class to sign up. So that's sort of why I want to take it slow because I don't want it to descend into just like, so-and-so did this wrong and we hate them because hmm, that doesn't actually help change anything. Um, but keeping it, yeah, keeping it this empowering place for students and for people who care about their teaching practice um, and are ready to add this to part of their practice. That's, that's sort of the goal. So hopefully someday soon, it'll be in as many classes as possible. And for the coming year, I hope it'll be in Stat 130 for sure. Um, and my courses, and then probably a couple of the other teaching stream led courses, because we kind of get the, the ability to take some risks and do some innovation in this area. So watch this space though. And anyone who's interested is very welcome to reach out to me for more information as well. That's interesting. I wish I had that. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a response I love. I, well, hate that you didn't have it, but love that when students hear about it, they go, 
oh yeah that makes sense <laughs> thanks Tony. Oh, no I'm I graduated <laughs> so I can't just go back and then take your courses getting no, up <laughs> if you ever want to sneak in you're more than welcome <laughs> I, I might just sneak in <laughs> I almost took your stat 303 in my last year I almost oh, yeah. but I didn't I should have <laughs> taken that yeah. Well, I'm glad that we still got to meet now. You know, it was meant to be this way. <laughs> it is, definitely is. Um, Kimlin, yeah, I, I know I know you said you've taken Stat303 in the past year. Do you have any more feedbacks for Liza or no? Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess like you're a great prof. I enjoyed your course a lot. I like the balance of like academic stuff, like the quizzes and kind of like learning concepts and using R, but also the professional aspect, like the professional development and the writing. Mm -hmm. I also really like how the final project was kind of like something we could do in a consulting job because like I know like having experiences to talk about in interviews for jobs and internships can be like, like if you didn't do it in your classes, you have to do it on your own and that's like, mm -hmm a lot like you have to have a lot of drive and initiative to do things on your own so like thank you for the experience and I, I liked the course a lot I think it's very oh, helpful thank you so much be honest with me though I think there was maybe too many things all at once in this version of the course would you agree yes <laughs> yep cool okay because that is definitely feedback that I heard uh, from folks and is really informing what I want to do. I get too excited about these things and then maybe put too many things in, too many for me, too many for my TAs and too many for my students. So this is something I'm definitely working on for the next iteration of 303, keeping it to those most important things. Um, so like love hearing that about the project and literally that data setup was based on projects I'd done for clients in the past, some of that. So it was for, for Tony, it was sort of simulated data because no company is going to give 600 students their really secret salary data for every single employee. But as a consultant, I've done work like that on salary data um, and, you know, in these different, different programs. And so giving students a taste of projects I've done um, and the kind of skills that I saw my clients really respond to. Um, it was really fun for me to try to make this project. And it's been really cool hearing how people then have parlayed that into um, being able to talk about something in, a, in an interview or something like that. So thank you for that, Kimlin. That means a lot to hear. Yeah, I think she actually, yeah, she really like learned a lot from that course. Um, because after she took your course, we actually took Stat 3 one Stat three one three. Stat one three. Yeah, we took that course after, and Kimlin actually used something that she learned from your class onto the projects we did, which was to make a map of Toronto and then map some things onto the map. And we actually used the same thing in the projects that we are doing right now. So oh, that's so cool! I love that. About, yeah, she talks about that every time we 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 have to, to do the map. She's like, I learned this in Stat three o three. Like, I'm so jealous. I never learned this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I feel like this is this last year online, I've had the most polarized feedback. Like, I've had the most meaningful feedback from students about, like, 
this literally got me this job or helped me with this project or I used it for this case study, like just some of the most amazing practical feedback I've ever had. But it's also been the course where I've had the most people be like, I hate it. I don't get it. What was she doing? Like, so I think I need to work on my marketing a little bit because I think hearing this type of stuff from you guys, I really, it really cements that I think there's some of the really right things there, but figuring out how to balance it for folks and also to get across why it matters and why it's going to make you money or get you into grad school or whatever those goals are. Um, so maybe it's my marketing, less my statistics, more my marketing that I need to work on a little bit, but yeah. Oh man, I love stories though, that though <laughs> being used in other things. So thank you so much for sharing that. I definitely agree with what you just said, because we've had the, the same thing happening to Matt when 135, because a lot of the tasks that we that we we asked the the students to do is to read a lot of things and to write. Yes. And a lot of them don't. They, they didn't quite understand why they had to write things since this a calculus one course. Like why do I have to write? Why can I just do some questions and be done with the course? And we were like, you are taking this course because we are trying to prepare you for your knowledge and then to prepare you to communicate in math. So that you can use the, the things that you learned in math onto some other things you learn. So I think the key thing is to try to tell people that that's the end goal here and not just to ask them to, oh, we just want to see you write things. Like that's yeah. that's not really the goal there. I'm making you write because I'm mean. Yeah, that's yeah. well said, Tony. <laughs> Connecting that to, I think, people's goals. Um, and especially now having stories from students where I'm like, don't take my word for it. Student X had this experience of why writing mattered. Or, you know, if you want to go to grad school, guess what? Personal statement time. And then you're going to try to write some research papers. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, it's heartening to hear that you guys had that same journey. Uh, and I really like your framing of it, Tony. That's really helpful. Thank you. That's it for today. And as always, wash your hands. Stay hydrated, stay active, love yourself, and most importantly, tune in to our Listen, Talk, Heal podcast.